0: You are listening to You Heard It Here 2nd, episode 19. The podcast is produced every Monday night and airs every Tuesday morning. More information can be found on our website, derrickandsteve.com. It is certified Bataya colada. So that is the stupid Derek and Steve present getting ready for a hot
1: dog. You were definitely about to take a wiener.
2: Yeah, I was fired up for it. I was gonna take that <laughs> wiener right in my face. <laughs>
1: Uh, lots of stuff going on. Derek with the uh, hot take starting off. Lots of stuff going on. <laughs> well, I play football for my whole life, and I have very little Dane
0: Bramage. They're going to trade those broken picks. Maybe Avery Bradley. Maybe Kelly Olynyk uh, and his and his odor. I sure hope so. Trade them. You heard it here second. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 19 of You Heard It Here Second. I'm Derek. This is Steve. Steve, what's going on?
1: What's going on? Not much, Derek.
0: Um, I I
1: very much enjoyed the. Opening this week. Those are yeah, some very yeah, funny some, clips. Some funny clips in the open. Um, out of context. Those are hilarious. And I think they're yeah. hilarious in context, too. But.
0: Yeah, I think they were both in and out of context hilarious. But either way, uh, particularly out of context, very funny. Uh, no episode last week. So we're back for episode 19. We are. A um, week
1: hiatus. A
0: week hiatus. It was a holiday. Holiday Monday. Um, and so now we're back here. Uh, that was, I think that was our first miss since Christmas, since the holiday time. So. Uh, not that bad. Pretty respectable. Um, pretty, that, pretty good that run. That really is. We're on yeah. episode nineteen. Nineteen. It's, it's one a week. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. Um, nineteen
1: out of twenty-one weeks. Yeah.
0: That's that's a good run. That's, a good that's run almost right embarrassing for us. <laughs> I know. We got it. We need to get alive. Um. So th- so there you have it. Uh. We're back, and to give you a quick rundown of the episode, we have a special guest joining us. Not as much of an interview today, but just a co-host. Definitely Uh, not a
1: special guest.
0: He's not too special at this point. He kind of is always here. Just a guest. uh, But James Murphy will be joining us for the first half of the show, uh, first quarter and second quarter, uh, which will be Game of Thrones and sports, which are Murph's two uh, fortes in his expertise. And then the third quarter and the fourth quarter will be kind of the normal, what you're used to, third quarter trivia. And fourth quarter, we'll play back your Snapchats and introduce the new question for this week. Um, so first, as we introduce those first two segments that I had mentioned, uh, we're going to play a video that Steve found here, uh, which is from the Tampa Bay Bucks website. And you can give a little, yeah, you I'll can give set a little background. The um,
1: and it. there will be so this episode, we will be talking Game of Thrones, the new episode, and there will be spoilers. This first um, little video that we're about to play does not have. Many spoilers, but if you're not caught up it may may be kind of you may hear some stupid things, but it's more just a parody. Um but yeah, they do a an NFL draft. The the NFL draft is this Thursday. Um and so they are drafting Game of Thrones characters to the top 10 teams um and attributing their skills and uh attributes to the teams that they're drafting. It's actually pretty funny. Um it's only like 2 minutes long. Uh, so here
0: it is. Cool, here it is.
3: winter is coming okay not really but the nfl draft is coming thursday the 28th and right along with it a sixth season of hbo's game of thrones what better time to count down the top 10 picks in the game of thrones nfl draft at number one the rams take Jon snow the ultimate risk reward pick because best case scenario he's the savior of the seven kingdoms worst case he's dead Number two, the Eagles pick Arya Stark. Howie Roseman is back at the helm and the Eagles have revenge in mind. There is no one better at revenge than Arya Stark. Number three, the Chargers take Gregor Clegane, a perfect protector for the aging Philip Rivers. Blood transfusion specialist Kyburn signs on as a team trainer. Number four, the Cowboys take the Knight's King. The team ignores off-field issues to grab a white walker to help raise their run game from the dead. At number 5, Ramsey Bolton goes to Jacksonville. The Jacks wanted Jalen Ramsey but will have to settle for the next best Ramsey on the board, a studious defender who relishes doling out punishment. At number 6, the Ravens take, well, the three eyed Raven. Was there any question, Ozzie Newsom doesn't overthink it here, the prospect was simply born to be a Raven. At number seven, the 49ers take denarius Targaryen, a talented playmaker capable of commanding an offense. Doesn't take well to coaching, but the 49ers are used to that, right? At number eight, Brienne of Tarth is headed to the Browns. She swore her loyalty to Caitlin Stark and the North. That kind of loyalty will go a long way right now in the city of Cleveland. At number nine, the Bucks pick Davos Seaworth. Who better than a reformed pirate to lead the Bucs? Bonus point, he now wields Valerian Steel. And at number 10, the Giants select Jamie Lannister. The perfect choice to lend a hand to JPP on the Giants' D-line. Appearances by Tom the Mad King Coughlin immediately cease. And there you have it, the top 10 picks in the Game of Thrones NFL Draft.
0: So there it is, Game of Thrones and Game sports of Thrones combined draft. into one to the Bucs. The Bucs get
1: Davos. Big pickup for the Bucks. You know, I'm a big Davos Seaworth fan. Um, and that's I when I was listening to that, I was like, that's kind of how we described... The girls on the Bachelor and describe like
0: food when we talk about, you know, cupcakes had a big yeah. off season. <laughs> I was a, I was a bit reminiscent of those segments, uh kind of analogizing everything to sports. So um so there you have it, uh, Game of Thrones, top ten picks, and that's our opening kickoff. Uh which leads us into the first quarter. As I mentioned, James Murphy is joining us and he will be here to help us talk about Game of Thrones. Murph, can you hear us all right?
2: Yeah, what's going on?
0: Murph. Nothing much. So uh, so we had mentioned uh, just real briefly, this is one of the things that's going to be great for future episodes is that we have a much easier way to call people now. So Murph's just joining us over the phone like a third host on the show today. So
2: I, It's practically like I'm in the room with you guys. It's, yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, okay, so Murph, uh, Murph or Steve, whichever one you want to start first. Okay. Obviously, Game of Thrones last night saying it right away on the premiere. Spoilers coming. Spoilers. Uh, so if you did not see Game of Thrones yet, do not continue to listen or skip ahead or whatever you want to do. Um, So Murph slash Steve, what are your thoughts on the premiere of game of Thrones, the much anticipated season six premiere? Uh,
1: Murph, I'm going to let you jump in first. I know you've been chomping at the bit to get to game of Thrones.
2: Yeah. So uh, I was looking forward to this uh, game of Thrones episode now for all winter long. Um, And overall I would give it a solid six out of 10. Um, I thought it was a good episode to kind of reintroduce the audience to pretty much all of the main characters uh, still remaining alive in the show and to kind of give a sneak peek into you know what they're up to at the season premiere. Um, nothing really too dramatic aside for, from a few scenes here and there, but overall it's a good kind of uh, good episode to lay the groundwork for what's to come. Steve? Um,
1: you know, I kind of agree with you. I gave it, I think it was like a 61, Steve Nicholas Avocados. Not crazy. I do understand this is a sixth season of a vastly expansive TV show. So jumping right into action is not going to be doable. You're going to have to retouch on every single storyline. right? right. Um, so in that regard, I think they tried to throw some stuff in there by killing the Dorn guy and killing the son. And then, I don't know, overall, it was just like plot moving. I didn't love it. Um, I'm excited for the season. Um, and I, I do want to tackle the elephant in the room, though. First, Murph, got to get your thoughts on old lady Melisandre. Old woman.
2: Yeah, for sure. Old woman,
1: full frontal. (laughs) How do you feel?
2: My my favorite part about, uh, how the the fact that Game of Thrones is on HBO, a premium, uh, network television is the fact that they don't have to, you know, cut back on the nudity and the violence. So, you know, when the the episode first starts, you get that warning saying, you know, this episode has violent suggestive themes and nudity. Um, you know throughout the episode i was waiting for that scene to happen and then in the last you know two minutes of the show you know they kind of teased us with a with uh with a great shot of melisandre taking off the clothes but then they tricked us (laughs) and all of a sudden there's this old decrepit 200 year old lady naked in front of us Uh, i feel like hbo from from now on should have not just a nudity warning, but an old lady nudity warning. You know, <laughs> prepare the audience for what's to come. That was a little much for me.
1: Yeah, nu- usually when nudity comes on, the crowd's going wild. The pro-
0: yeah, the crowd goes crazy.
2: Uh, but this, you, was, this was the opposite. Yeah,
1: and um, the funny thing is, we got a, a Snapchat because there was the nudity warning. So like everyone's like, okay, where it's like five minutes left, someone's gonna get naked. <laughs> and then <Yeah. laughs> Kenny actually sent us a Snapchat of. Um, the first shot, which is Melisandra, she's like a young, gorgeous woman, and then it ended and then we text immediately after it was like, Oh shoot, like <laughs> definitely jump the gun.
2: <laughs> definitely jump the gun on the, the hooray hooray yeah, there. Snap um, too soon. Yeah, but overall what did you guys think of like Melisandra being an older woman after she takes off like her necklace and, and her and her rope. Yeah, Steve and I, I were think? talk what- Steve-,
0: Steve and I were talking about this earlier. We're a little confused by it, or at least I am. I think uh, I'm trying to figure out where this ties into everything. Um, I can't think of a really good viable theory at this stage. We don't know too much yet.
1: I agree with you. I was going to say, I can't figure out why it would matter at all. Right. Like, I mean, it, it, the the amulet probably matters that that, that can change yeah, people, age, but or her, being, her, being, or yeah, her being old means nothing to really anybody unless she's like an yeah. important witch or something.
2: So you know, So I read this, I read a couple of theories online about what this can mean. The first was that, you know, Melisandra she saw John, you know, fighting at, at um, in the north in her vision in the in the flames. But then when she sees her dead body, she begins to doubt um, her God. So certain people read that her taking off the necklace and going to bed would be, you know, kind of her laying down for her final um, for her final sleep. She was kind of giving up hope. Oh, oh. Um, how I also read a different theory how Melisandra is in fact, <clears throat> she's, she's going to be like resting up or, you know, kind of preparing for what's to come, AKA perhaps raising John Snow from the dead. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, out of those two theories, I'd hope for the second, and I hope somehow, you know, she uh, is kind of powering uh, her inner red uh, mistress or sorcerer and will, you know, in future episodes, possibly raise Jon Snow from the
0: dead yeah Yeah. I I think it's still a little bit confusing how it factors in that she's necessarily you know old without the necklace and young with it I don't know how that factors into reviving Jon Snow I guess but I do hope I agree with you Murph I hope that that is the truth I I hope that she does revive Jon Snow I think uh, we can transition that into the next question for you and uh, for Murph and Steve Do you think that Jon Snow gets revived? I mean, I think a lot of people assume that he must because he's so important to this show, but do you think there's any chance that he doesn't?
1: Um, So my my theory on that is every single person who's ever watched Game of Thrones for some reason has still bought into the (laughs) there's no way he's dead theory. (laughs) Um, And Game of Thrones has given us no indication um, besides the fact that he's not just like a mega important character, but like the most important character. And but this show he could quite possibly be dead and only because they found out that people thought he was actually alive, so they just leave him dead. Like Yeah. This show has no care in the world what people think. Especially
0: because it started to deviate from the books.
1: Yeah, exactly. So they can just be like, Oh, everyone thinks that. He's
2: staying dead. Screw you. Screw you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it would be incredibly cruel for George R. R. Martin to not bring back Jon Snow from the dead, but then again, I'm talking about George R. R. Martin, <laughs> you know, an author who's killed off many beloved characters in the past. So I'm hoping that, you know, he, Jon Snow comes back and, and becomes the prince I was promised, or, you know, the the savior for for Westeros, but um, a, a small piece of me, you know, knows George R. R. Martin might have, you know, tricks up his sleeve. Yeah,
1: My Oh, also Murph, I want to get your opinion on uh, when Brienne of Tarth meets up with uh Sansa, <laughs> we all started chanting "Pledge your life. Pledge <laughs> your life." Cuz all she, all she does uh, is go. Yeah,
2: that was that was an interesting scene. Um you know, it's Sansa, you know, really has been a down in the dust characters. You know, she really wasn't uh, you know, uh, supporting her or giving her, you know, trust to, to, um, what's his name Dion? to see on, you know, to, to guide her through the winter, uh, the harsh winters up in the North to, you know, save her from Ramsey Bolton. You know, that's not really a guy she can really throw her trust behind, <laughs> but having Brienne and pot come out of nowhere to save, to save them. Um, it's kind of starting to look up for her. So I think she, uh, as an audience should look out for Sansa and her kind of reckoning that she's going to bring back on um, the Boltons and the Lannisters uh, in future episodes.
0: Yeah, she's certainly loyal, and and we've learned that by now, but uh, we'll see where that goes. So I guess speaking of that, it's kind of come out throughout this conversation that we've already talked about a number of different things. Steve and I were talking about this earlier. It seemed like the first episode, kind of like you mentioned, Murph, is really laying groundwork. I I mean, this first episode was very, very broadly spread out across these storylines and didn't seem to really go too deep into any of them. Um, I don't know, which one, which storylines do you think are going to be the first ones that are really, you know, kind of deep-dived into uh, in the next few episodes? Delved. Delved into.
2: Um, well, I think John Snow, for one, will be a storyline that, you know, the writers have to address, um, you know, on episodes going forward for obvious reasons. Um, uh-huh. I also think that... Um, you know Sansa and, the- and Theon and will have you know a bigger storyline as we dis- as we discussed um as she begins to you know march towards um revenge and and reckoning um but another one that we haven't discussed yet is Danny out in out uh, uh, overseas um being held captive by you know the dithraki um and Absolutely. you know kind of her captivity under uh a tribe and a people that you know we were first witness. She was first witness too. Oh, w- um, now she's back in there in their captivity and kind of what her storyline is going to be there going forward. I want your
1: opinion on this, Murph, because I I came out with a hot take saying her storyline might be, at this point might be the worst because she just her storyline at this point just cycles between her being super powerful and her being super weak and in in like over. You're right. What, um, what's that land called? Co- what is the land uh, called? Dorn. No, they're, they're over. No,
2: it's um, SOS, I think I forget. I Whatever, know that.
1: wherever she is, it's like it has nothing to do with Westeros yet. They're just sitting around doing nothing, and she keeps having all this chances. She has a hundred boats. She has all the Unsullied. She has two dragons, and then all it's all gone again. Got to start from gra- got to start from
2: scratch. Uh, and I'm kinda- yeah, I totally I totally agree with you, Derek. What do you think?
0: No, I agree, too. And I think we had talked about this before. I, as far as the least uh, favorite storylines for me right now, I'd, I, I thought you were referring to that. I had mentioned Dorn because I think that that one is also kind of fluttering. And, and th- they did progress it a little bit in this premiere. Um, but I think for Danny's storyline, I agree that it's kind of, you know, she's she's looks like she's ready to take the world over and then something goes wrong and she's back at the beginning again. And she yeah. works her way back up and then is back at the beginning again. And so it's kind of... Weird, seeing where this is going, because it doesn't feel like it's progressing all that well. And now she's being told she's going to go live with all the widows of of the calls, and it's like, it's like, where is this actually headed for you if, if you're supposed to take over the whole world? Do
1: we know, Murph? You might know this. Do we know how many seasons are scheduled for good? Like, is it? Seven? Yeah, I
2: think um, seven seasons total. Okay, or eight. Okay. Sorry, eight. What season is this? Six? Six. Six. So yeah, two. I think there's two more after this.
1: Because it seems like I don't want it to fall prey to like the seasons that become too long and everything in the middle just seems like filler. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause we all yeah, kind of, so we all kind of know where things are going. Like someone has to, these worlds have to meet up at some point. Like now we're all just kind of waiting for them to. Yeah.
2: So yeah, the big kind of pinnacle that's kind of driving, uh, Danny's story is her traveling overseas back to Westeros with her dragons, with her ships, with her, uh, armies, but kind of the the path and and the journey that she goes along to get to there hasn't been the most exciting, as you can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, coming off of last season when she flies away on her dragon, people thought, you know, that this is this is awesome. She's going to be, you know, taming her dragon. She's going to be ready to, you know, um, raise her sails and, and travel. Uh, travel west to conquer um, Westeros but kind of the storyline they're laying out that this first episode is kind of delaying that the inevitable and um, we're kind of going to have to subject ourselves to uh, a couple more of these episodes where is kind of figuring it all out for herself yeah.
1: she's been doing that for a long time I'm kind of <laughs> yeah. ready for her to figure it out yeah, yeah. Agreed.
2: yeah me too yeah.
0: agreed so, Murph, any other thoughts on the premiere, or Steve, either of you? Uh, any I other just, thoughts? Sixty-one.
1: I just want to know, wanna know um, from both of you, right now, it's, I know it's only the first season, or uh, first episode of season six, favorite character and least favorite character, um, or like what you're most excited
0: for about this mm. season? I'll let you go first, Murph. i got to think about that. Uh,
2: my favorite character is kind of uh, is like a side character uh it's pod who's Brienne's, <laughs> um sidekick and formerly tyrian and bronze sidekick yeah. um that dude's just there to like he wants to just become a knight he wants to do his share and you know save the princess and you know become a knight um and i don't know he kind of just provides comic relief to me and i'm I'm hoping that you know he he comes in clutch you know uh in more battles and and scenes going forward
1: I see a I see a Pod and Sansa relationship bloom. Ooh, it. nice. That would
2: be dope.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm blanking on his name, but I'm going to go with uh, with uh, with Danny's guy there who's traveling with Jorah uh, in the episode. I don't remember Dario. his name. Dario, Dario. Yes, Dario. As your favorite? Um, as my favorite right now. He's he's uh, he's kind of got that. He's got this smug attitude about him. He's like rugged, liked, he's rugged talk, bad boy. He's talking to Jorah. He's talking to Jorah about what it's like to 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 want Daenerys and not be able to have her when he's the one who's actually who actually has her. Um, so he's got this kind of condescending approach to him that I think is kind of interesting. Plus is, I believe he's like, doesn't he like not age or something? Or am I thinking of one of the other characters?
2: Uh, that's been suggested, but okay. not confirmed.
0: Right. Okay. So, so yeah, I'm interested to see where that goes. Cause it seems like he has a primary seat in the whole Danny storyline, obviously. So, uh, I'm kind of curious yeah, to but, see how that goes. But Who
2: knows if that seat is going to end up being, you know, a good seat or, right. you know, a bad seat. Yeah. That's true. Um,
1: uh, my favorite would be. I've actually, while you guys were talking about this, I thought I I have a top three way tie for first. <laughs> it's um, Braun is my number one favorite, but he mm-hmm. wasn't in that last episode. Right. But he's just a, a badass. Um, Davos is now becoming kind mm. of my next favorite because now he's kind of smirky and, and like he 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 doesn't give a crap. You can tell he's yeah. just like, all right, well, I should have died fifty <laughs> times by now, but I'm still alive, so whatever. And he's on the Bucks. And he's on the Bucks now. Um, and Ari, I think Arya. Um, one thing for people who read the book is I think Arya's storyline is the only one that hasn't caught up to her storyline in the book, hmm. um, or at least there's yeah yeah that's correct. So there's still some, and I know how cool it is. Like Arya has a very cool storyline mm-hmm. um, while well, mean, she's blind right now, but but things happen while she's blind and, and after she's blind. Um, so I think that might be what I'm most excited for right. is her storyline. And they didn't really progress it too much this time around. I but.
0: think I think it is an intriguing storyline. Um, Steve, I don't believe you watch it. Murph, do you watch Daredevil on Netflix?
2: Yeah, so uh, Arya's going to be, <laughs> uh, what's his name? Stick. The new Daredevil.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that was very reminiscent of that of that show like her kind of training uh being blind sort of being trained to kind of heighten the rest of her senses it looks like also so. daredevil the dumbest superhero in the history <laughs> of all superheroes his, his superpower is that he is blind but he's not blind
2: <laughs> yeah <his> superpower. <laughs> no he's, i like daredevil he because he can't see he has to heighten all of his other senses um and he kick that
0: <laughs> that
2: is I mean,
1: true
0: i i like the show and i like him but it's maybe maybe the worst idea for a superhero though come
1: on
2: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> um, all right, so any closing thoughts on Game of Thrones before we move to uh, the other part of the, the video transition there that we had, which was sports?
2: <laughs> but I'm, just, I'm just pumped for the season, you know, because the book readers and the show watchers are now on the same plane. Yeah, it's um, true. We're, kinda, yeah. we're all here to react and, and respond, you know, for the first time uh, accordingly. So I'm pumped.
0: It's going to be exciting. All righty. So, uh, so that ends the first quarter for Game of Thrones and a little bit of other TV references thrown in there. Now we move uh, keeping Murph here to the second quarter, and, and Murph will give a little bit of input on some of his thoughts with sports going on right now, which obviously uh, the big stories being the NBA and NHL playoffs, but uh, also a few other stories scattered in there. So I think it's more of an open, open agenda here. So Ooh. where do you want to start with? Hey, Steve, um, I'll let you pick.
1: Let's start NHL because I think that has a lot longer to go and people yeah, don't know as much about totally. it and then we can drill into NBA after. Yeah,
0: sure. So so let, let's keep it... Uh, we can start it with the NHL with, with your team, Steve, the Lightning, who get a big win over the Red Wings in their yeah. first-round series. Ben Bishop, you know what they say about hot goalies, Steve. You've said it a few times. Hot you can goalie, ride a hot goalie hot very far win in the NHL playoffs.
1: The Stanley Cup. Um, yeah, I'm a big Lightning fan. No Steven Stamkos. Kind of swept through the Red Wings. Only had one bad game. It was game three. Um, won the series 4-1. to one. Not too difficult, uh, a few late goals mm-hmm. um, to win, but it's a team that's changed a lot from having Stamkos, who is this finesse, yeah. high-scoring, fast, flies-around-the-court player, or flies-around-the-ice player, shoot, takes takes a ton of shots, and they've turned into more of a grinding team, um, and I'm not going to dive into the Lightning, because there's, there's, what, 10 other teams, <laughs> 12, 16 other teams, um, but... Uh, I don't hate our chances, but I mean the Caps are so good we can't really do much. But I, I the, playoff hockey, I will say, is maybe my favorite after football playoff atmosphere. Oh it yeah. is nuts. Oh, it's course. just high intensity for
0: the entire time, three uh, periods, mean, yeah. yeah, and and and, th- and four series. I mean, I mean, there's no letdown at any point. And yeah. the Cleveland Cavaliers first round games are not are not high intensity games. In no, the NBA yeah, playoffs. Yeah, right. You know the NHL playoffs all the way through. Um the Lightning also catch a break with the Islanders knocking off the Panthers yeah. and, and and I won't I don't I don't mean that in the sense of the Islanders being weak but the Lightning get home home ice advantage now in the second round yeah. of the playoffs and
1: they haven't played the Panthers very well
0: right, this right. year. Right. And, and, and I do think the Islanders are a good team and will be a better challenge than the Red Wings were for the Lightning but um certainly one other kind of idea that I have about this Lightning run uh and and it's a little bit analogous to what people have been saying about the Celtics and other teams that are trying to prove themselves is that I think that with Steven Stamkos still not being locked up, uh, going contract wise, I think the lightning are not to a huge extent, but they might be auditioning a little bit here for Steven Stamkos. I mean, it's, it says something that he hasn't signed an extension yet. Yeah. It might mean that he's, he's not sure. I don't, I don't know what it means, but I think the lightning putting together a good playoff run is very reassuring to their chances to bring back Stamkos because Stamkos is reaching that age, where if he feels like it's not happening in Tampa, he you could see him potentially leaving and going somewhere else. Um, so I think the Lightning putting together a good run without him is a very good sign for their future as well, not just for for the hopes of trying to win a cup this year, but to keep Stamkos around because he's yeah. obviously somebody that you need to keep in Tampa.
1: Mm-hmm. And Murph, you're you're a Rangers fan, huh?
2: Yeah, but I am not the biggest hockey uh, fan or the most knowledgeable hockey fan. I'm the definition of a of a bandwagon fan. So <laughs> my bandwagon tenure lasted a hot minute. So. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, the Penguins taking care, of, uh, taking care of the Rangers in pretty quick order. Uh, the, the, I mean, I think that second round matchup between the Capitals and Penguins is by far the, the best. best series that will happen yeah. maybe in these entire playoffs. If you
1: like g- just good hockey, that's the series you watch. I mean, yeah. I, I don't love yeah. just good pure hockey. Similar to you, Murph, I, I kind of root for the Lightning when they're on TV and don't watch much other hockey mm-hmm. than that. Um, so, but if you are a hockey fan, the Penguins Capitals game is going to be yeah th- nuts. those are
0: those are probably two of the of the three or four best teams in the NHL if not the two best right now um, which with uh, Dallas being the top seed in the West but they just they they did have a little bit of trouble with Minnesota and for those of you if anybody watched that Dallas Minnesota game six was. Off the charts crazy. Dallas had a 4 nothing lead in the third period and nearly blew it. Uh, Minnesota had to, if you see the replay there, a puck was about a centimeter from crossing the goal line to tie that game at 5. Um, but Dallas does squeak by with the win there. So, I mean, we, we won't go into too many details about the rest yeah. of the playoffs. We're not going to try to break down these NHL matchups. But uh, one thing that will be decided tomorrow when we release the podcast is a big game, 7 Blackhawks and Blues. Uh, the Blackhawks were down in that series 3-1. to one you know, that's terrifying for the NHL if the Blackhawks win that game because we all know what the Blackhawks are Mm -hmm. uh, in May and June in the NHL playoffs. So uh, if they can come back from 3-1 and knock off the Blues, that's very, very frightening for both the Stars in their next matchup and the rest of the league, I think. Uh, moving forward so lots of stuff in the NHL uh, we can come back to that but I guess we can also transition now into NBA a little bit so
2: NBA uh, I
0: know Murphy had mentioned that this is a little bit more uh, what you've been following so any anything jumping out at you in the first week or so of the NBA playoffs
2: I think we got to talk about how uh, Derek Robinson's streak of attending Boston home <laughs> oh, games yeah. is, I don't is, is a winning streak.
1: <laughs> I don't want to talk about that
2: <laughs> and how Stevens, uh, Stevens, Florida teams in Boston are still defeated. Yeah. We're actually it's, that's it's,
1: actually our both our final drives tonight. It,
0: it, it's uh, pretty funny, so we can yeah. touch on that. But I do want to just uh, I, I will, and we can talk about the Celtics. But um, just related to what Steve just mentioned, with his obviously, I think it's been documented on this show, his streak of seeing his Tampa teams in Boston against these teams. Uh, the Rays were in town for three games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe you went to. I went to
1: one of. I went to one went of them, which they lost. They were down five nothing in the third inning, right. so they lost. And, for and so sure.
0: the series finale, though, it was a daytime game, and I remember you were considering going. I was
1: considering going. I would have had to leave work. You had and to I had to leave like, work, and you know what. I'm not gonna go. I'm I like, gonna made go. The decision not to go. I took Marathon Monday off. Um, it was like a marathon game, back and forth, back and forth, and the Rays won in like the ninth inning. Yeah,
0: of course they did. But um, be-
1: or because I didn't go. Yeah, and, and I, I, I had go.
0: said later, like Steve, I wish you went so that the Red Sox would have won. But yeah. um, but but I the the one takeaway I had was that during your decision making process, I had said to you, you know, oh, like you're gonna you're gonna be pretty pissed if you don't go to that game and the Rays win. Then I'm like, then again, you'll also be pissed if you go to the game and the Rays lose. And Steve's answer was, I don't feel anything when we lose to Boston anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not pissed. I'm numb.
0: Exactly. But, um, but anyway, Celtics, obviously two huge games. Uh, I was at both of them over the weekend. Um, I guess I'll probably not give too much analysis because I'm the biased one. I guess Murph, Give us the Murph, atmosphere, what, <laughs> Derek. The Tell atmosphere us. is electric. I, I will say that. The atmosphere was probably the best atmosphere I've been at at a sporting event, to be honest, that is, particularly in Game 4. It was the loudest I've ever I've ever heard the Garden, and I've been to a lot of playoff games between the Bruins and the Celtics, and that yeah. was the most electric I've been in as far as as far as stadium atmosphere goes. Um, you know, not only positive and in, in support of the Celtics, but Dennis Schroeder, who's. Kind Truder. of an average player. We love him. He, he's the first person I've ever seen get this treatment. That's not a LeBron James caliber player. Backup. He's a backup point a guard, backup point guard. <laughs> and the, the the entire arena was raining booze on him every time he touched the ball. Because like, Isaiah. Like LeBron James him? level because of his scuffle with Isaiah, and then also he had a scuffle with Crowder in this game. Um, so I mean, yeah, just and it it rattled him 100% because you you could tell watching him that he could hear those boos and he started trying to play isolation basketball and he was trying to drive to the basket and you know he, you know turning the ball over he was getting rattled by that crowd so i will say that the the atmosphere was one of the was definitely the most electric that i've been in at the garden
2: yeah and 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 watching the games at home just as a casual nba fan you can tell that the the uh, you know the air in, in TD Garden it was so much more elevated than some of these other games like in in Detroit yeah, yeah. Um, and in like uh, Dallas for instance you can right. just tell that the crowd in, in Boston and this is I'm a, I'm a New York fan you can tell the crowd in Boston was you know was wild um, and for a good reason too you guys um, the Celtics. Uh, the first two games, they came out, they came out super slow, like the slowest.
0: Historically, they played is all
2: year, um, and it, it was detrimental, you know, to them to their first two games. Uh, but I think the crowd in games three and four, you know, definitely picked up the team and they started out hot, and you know, that made, you know, you know, the final difference uh, in the final score. So I think that's definitely a key for them going forward. Is to you know get off to a hard start, a uh, hot start, and to you know keep up the pace.
1: And, and still not easy wins, though. Like th- oh, no, this, no. This Hawks team is going to... E- whatever team wins or loses a series is going to go down with a fight. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and
0: the Hawks have more fortitude than I thought. Uh, you know, you know, a lot of people write off Atlanta right away, just because of historically. The Hawks, the Hawks are a team that just folds, kind of, when they face adversity in the past several years. Mm-hmm. Um, this Hawks yeah. team has no quit in them, which is a quality that the Celtics have as well. So I think it's going to be very uh, intriguing moving forward. One thing I will say... Uh, you were mentioning the atmosphere, Marf. I'm very curious to see, you know, e- even in the post game, a lot of the Atlanta players were talking about the atmosphere and how it it might have got, you know, affected Schroeder and some of the other guys on the team, uh, and also just how it it positively affected the Celtics when they were getting on their runs. Um, it, it's interesting to see because we know for a fact the Atlanta fan base is nothing like that. Um, the Atlanta crowd was not is not a very hostile crowd to play against or to play to play in that stadium. I checked today actually. Tickets for game 5 in Atlanta are $25. Wow. Which is extremely wow. low extremely low for a pivotal game 5. That is um, so low. It's extremely low and, and Atlanta fans take a lot of heat for being kind of apathetic and, and so I'm curious to see, you know, whether that has an impact on a home team who's just played their two games in the garden and seen what the other team's home crowd I is doing. I think they show up. And, and you come back, you think they'll show up the I think Atlanta they do. fans.
1: I think like I mean I'm a race fan, so I come from that market. Yeah, right. We we don't pack stadiums until it's a playoff mm-hmm. time, but if you're in a dog fight, like that's right. when your right. your fan show, like all fans yeah. and, show. And, up and there for is
0: that. something to be said for the tickets being twenty five bucks now. It means that the common man should be able to go to that game. You know, you know, all the rabid fans. There's there's really not the excuse of not being able to afford those tickets because they're a, what, they're a hot hundred fifty dollar ticket.
2: What are you saying about the common man and? Uh and their ability to cheer. Are you drawing comparisons?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. no it, it just opens up the it opens up the the population of fans that can go. I, I know, you know, Patriots fans take a lot of heat for being kind of the these these upper class like who aren't really rabid, and the, you know, only the really rich people can afford to go. Um, you know, by contrast, I, I know a lot of times Bruins and Celtics historically. Have the quote-unquote wilder fan bases at the game because the tickets aren't as expensive, and, and it, it kind of opens the door for everybody who can be who's really a rabid fan, who you know, to be able to afford those tickets as opposed to only the high-end fans. So a little bit, yeah, sure, a little bit of a generalization, but um, but certainly uh, could could lead to a more rabid atmosphere for Atlanta.
1: Here's my prediction: Kyle Korver next game, thirty-five points. <laughs>
0: thirty-five. Yep,
1: thirty-five points. He goes. Yeah. Cool.
2: Corver has been a little quiet. You can tell like he's looking for a shot, they're just not really falling. So, yeah, he's definitely had a few, somebody you got to look out for. He's,
0: he's had a few little streaks, but he um, hasn't really put it together consistently.
1: Okay. And so the overarching theme of the NBA is this game's great. Neither of these teams matter in this grand scheme of the NBA. <laughs> ne- they will both not win. It's just how the NBA is set up. Um, what, there's about 3 teams, possibly 4 that can win it. These two aren't. Um, so that being said, who's your pick to win it all? Let's say Steph Curry is hurt next game, ends up having to play maybe, well, whatever, whatever it happens. We we can't, we can't Curry should be out for two weeks.
2: three weeks. We can't can't predict.
1: So let's just pick right now on the show, who's your NBA championship winner? And Derek, don't pick the Celtics. I will not pick the Celtics.
0: Um, I'm picking the San Antonio Spurs. Okay. I think the Spurs win. Uh, I, I think the Spurs win regardless of Steph Curry's health. Um, but I, I do think that uh, obviously if Curry's not able to play by that point, which I think he will be able to play by the Western Conference Finals if they get there, uh, but I'm not I'm not discounting the Los Angeles Clippers against the Warriors if Curry is still out. Uh, I think the Clippers are a very good team, but I think San Antonio is a machine. I think they've been under the radar exactly the way Popovich wants them to be. Yeah, I, I think it's like, the Spurs. Like they
1: had like dueling best seasons of all time, and no and one paid attention. No one, to the one the paid Spurs. attention. Yeah.
0: So, I'm picking the Spurs, and I don't want to pick the Eastern Conference champion because I know it's going to be Cleveland. So, I don't want to make a prediction on it.
1: I'm going to pick. I'm, oh, shoot. Because I was going to pick the Spurs, too, but I'll pick. A screw it. The Spurs. <laughs> the Spurs <laughs> you are too don't good. Have to choose from. They're too good. I mean, it, it's Popovich. And the funny thing is, I, this is obviously not the reason Steph Curry got hurt, but Steve Kerr sits him. Does he <laughs> does he slip on the court and hurt his That's knee? True. It's true. It's true. It's true. But
0: it, at the point of that series, getting to two to one, I think it's I. I know the Warriors probably still wouldn't lose to the Rockets, but the Rockets did beat them the first game in Game Three. You know, I, I think you don't mess around. I think I think you try to take care of business in the playoffs. I don't blame him for playing Curry.
1: Yeah, I'm picking the Spurs. It's it's an easy pick.
2: I'm picking LeBron James <laughs> and the Cleveland Cavaliers. LeBron James. Uh, uh, I'm a big LeBron fan. I know it's going to be painful to some of these Boston ears, <laughs> um, but you know I'm rooting for LeBron. I want to see him bring one home for Cleveland.
1: I'm actually—I I think I am—I'm rooting for the Cavs because I like to see teams that have never won it win it. And Cleveland's had some p- pretty poor luck the past few years. Cleveland has, I, I, yeah. So I—I I, I can, I can
0: totally relate with wanting Cleveland to win. I just—I just can't bring myself to do it because of LeBron. I can't.
1: Because he's just so good. You hate him because nah. he's so good.
0: For a multitude of reasons. Uh, so so Murph, one question for you though, speaking of LeBron, let's say hypothetically the Celtics can win this series against the Hawks. How many games do you think the Celtics can take the Cavaliers? Last year they got swept, uh, I obviously. Think
2: the, uh, I, think, I think that'll go six at most.
0: I think so too. I think they can take them six. And for the record, that for, you know, most Celtics fans would consider that a wildly successful playoff run this year to, to beat the Hawks and then take the Cavs six games. But I was just curious what you
2: thought. Yeah, the, the, the Celtics are playing well. Um, if they... I'm curious to see you know how uh, an Isaiah. I don't want to put like look too far forward, but an Isaiah Kyrie matchup would be pretty cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. certainly. And obviously LeBron's the X factor to stop because there's really no way to stop him. So, um, so that, you know, it's certainly an entertaining series. I, I think that's one of those where all the games would be close. But I think that I, I would see that playing out as being in crunch time. You're just not going to be able to stop the number of weapons that the Cavs have. In fact, the, the total, I you know, the... Picture perfect scenario. I can see that I pretty much know will happen is that the Celtics will be in all of those games, but it'll be those like Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving kickouts that are going to be the daggers yeah. in that series because you'll, you you just have to you have to put so many resources and energy towards stopping LeBron James that you know now that he's got a few good shooters around him, whether it's Smith or Kyrie or Love, all those guys can shoot on the perimeter. It just makes them so difficult to stop when you have to focus everything on stopping LeBron.
2: Yeah, it's. Don't look too far forward, Derek. You got to get out of Atlanta first.
0: Oh, certainly,
1: certainly. Yeah, but, it's true.
2: You, you got.
1: Yeah, they the, have Atlanta has home home field, right? Atlanta home has home court.
0: yeah. So Game five's in Atlanta, six in Boston, and then you're if not necessary, you're not in trouble till you lose a you lose a home game. That's what they say. That's what they say. So big one uh, tomorrow or Tuesday night on Game Five for the Celtics. Um, so any other uh, NBA playoff thoughts before we uh, move on? I don't know if there's any other sports that we can touch on. to Gate. Briefly? We're going to touch so briefly on Deflategate. Because Deflategate's... Cause, uh, we're sick of I it. Just,
2: I just want to say one thing. Um I watched a lot of the Cleveland-Detroit games, and our fellow BC alum, Reggie Jackson, you know, yeah. I thought, did a good job carrying his team for, you know, 95% of those games. Yeah. Um, yeah. Detroit... It, you can tell, though, in the last, you know, 5%, fourth quarter of those games, he kind of, you know... He wasn't as clutch as he has been in the past, but I think that's just a growing, a good growing experience for him, and I'm like super pumped for him Um, future playoff basketball for Reggie Jackson. Yeah,
1: the the Pistons could be good. Uh, Andre Drummond is really good, um, and Reggie Jackson is a a star in the making. Well, maybe not a star in the making, but he's a very good point guard. He can carry a
0: team. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, I I don't think he can be a number one on a championship level team. Uh, I think he needs more help around him than that. But. you know, I'd put him in the, I'd put him in Isaiah Thomas's class, I think. I think he can be a very, very good player on a contender. Good score. I think you just need a little more help around him. You know, he can't do it all by himself. He's not that type of player. He's not that elite-level player, yeah, he's but he's, like he's second-tier. He's not like Steve Nicholas. He's not Steve Nicholas, for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I
2: think Detroit's fine with that. You know, they're this—I mean, they went up against Cleveland. They went up against, yeah. you know, LeBron James. And, and, they, and, they, they, and they, they, they had a respectful showing. Yeah, so. they,
0: they, you know, that, it's, it's a little bit—to me, it reminds me a little of the Celtics last year and that it was a sweep that was a little bit more— Respected than just a, a classic sweep. I mean, they gave him a couple of very close games. Detroit nearly pulled out two of those four games. So, um, so yeah, I, I think it's certainly not a bad showing for for the Pistons, and they uh, have something to work with there. They got a few good players that that they could potentially build around. All
1: right, let's let's hit the topic everyone hates. Everyone hates Murph. It. First first dibs on talking crap about Tom Brady. <laughs> Go.
2: I really don't give a crap about deflate uh, gate anymore. You know, it's been all of them – the news um, for the past like year and a half, and and I just don't really care for it. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: it's yeah. either
2: way, either way. It's, I, I'm not sure what what it takes.
0: <laughs> I, I, I applaud anyone who has any gas left in the tank to go over this thing. Uh, I certainly don't, and that's that's saying something because I was. Vehemently into it, you know, during the heat of it, and, and I, you know, was reading all the stuff and everything, all the you know judicial rulings and the court filings and the responses on both sides. I was reading all that stuff for for months and months and months and months and months, and I, I've had enough of that. I'm I'm, I'm done with it. Can't yeah. can't continue to pay attention to that. Um, so we'll see. I at this point, I don't really care if Brady serves four games. Just serve it and get it over with. It doesn't sound like that's going to happen. It sounds like they're going to continue to fight, um, which, in principle, I like because I think I've you know from day one I think that the NFL has been absurd in this thing. But I also don't want this to continue, so I don't really know. (laughs) It's I'm I'm over it. Whatever happens, happens at this point.
1: Yeah, I'm just. I mean, I'm kind of over it too. I'm just happy justice finally got served. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Skip um,
0: Skip Bayless went as far today as to suggest that the judges were dirty.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Like <laughs> this is okay. casual
0: uh, on ESPN. Yeah, and, so and pull, strings were pulled. <laughs>
1: there's, and you can look at it from a- any angle you want. Like just it, everybody somehow in the NFL is is working the system to try to get a a win here and there or, or an advantage. I'm not saying that Patriots. It, it has been proven that they did it this time around, but. It's reasonable enough, whatever they... What, what was the term they used?
0: Uh, more probable than not. More
1: probable than not. Um, just serve it, get it over with. Everyone in America is sick of it. Um, well, like, well,
0: well, the, I think what's... what. It's amazing because what it developed into, and again, we're not... We'll, we'll cut this briefly, but what it developed into was a much, much more massive issue of the NFL. NFLPA well, versus NFL well, with the authority.
1: Con- it's the contract that the the, collective the, the bargaining player agreement. the players association exactly. agreed to giving yeah. the commissioner this much power. Yeah.
0: So and that's what the ruling today was yeah, exactly. for for, like, for those of you who who are not totally clear on it. The ruling today was essentially in every single, you know, corner of this explanation from the judges, it was that was con- the answer to this is that article 46 is the answer, which is that con- the, you know the commissioner has total authority to punish based on what he deems conduct conduct detrimental to the league and the integrity of the game. That's, that's what it came down to. It, they ruled that this CBA says he can do what he wants. It was Goodell within his it, rights as commissioner. And, and that's why everybody's been saying, you know, this is completely absurd over air pressure in a football, which everyone agrees. This became a much bigger issue that the NFLPA and the NFL, neither of them want to lose this issue because it's, it's a restructuring. It's a, pr- issue. It's a principle issue. It's a CBA issue. And, and as soon as they lose this, they, they lose a ton of bargaining ground in the next CBA discussion. You know, you know, if this, if this language, if this ruling stands as it is today, which the, the, you know, the, the federal judge says that Roger Goodell has the power to do this. Well, that's an insanely huge bargaining piece in the next CBA agreement because they can look at, they can point to this ruling and say, that's in the past. We already covered that Roger Goodell can do this. Now we can change it slightly. If you're willing to go to an 18 game schedule and now the owners have all these things that they can now start to get and vice versa if the players win. So that's why it became a huge issue, and that's why everyone's got a headache over this because they're never going to drop it because of how much is at stake with the CBA. Uh,
1: I say just suspend Brady the whole season, get it over <laughs> with, and and we don't have to deal with it ever
0: again. Totally agree. That would be yeah. that would be the best thing to do. So, um, well,
1: Murph, any parting, uh, any parting thoughts or, or comments for us? We, we always appreciate you as a
0: guest.
2: The North remembers. (laughs) Long live the king. King of the North. (laughs)
1: That's very good. Very good.
0: (laughs) That's exactly what I would have wanted you to say. So uh, thank you again, Murph. Uh, Also, Murph was on fire this weekend in basketball. Murph, you played good basketball this weekend. Murph Murph might be playing for a contract.
2: Proud of you. Thanks. I'm so humble. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right. Thanks again, Murph, and we'll talk to you next time.
2: All right,
1: peace. Later, dude.
0: So James Murphy joins us. Uh, Always nice to have Murph on. Uh, the show, to talk about his pop culture expertise and uh, chip in with a little sports knowledge as well. Pop so. culture Murph. So that uh, brings us to the end of the second quarter, and now we uh, quickly have our third and fourth. Uh, so the third quarter is trivia. So uh, mm-hmm. we can start it out, and I'll let you read the first clue.
1: All right. Um, all right, the first clue. This person was born September 29, 1988, in Washington, D.C. Their age is 27. So a 27-year-old, born in Washington, D.C., on September 29, 1988.
0: So to this day, this basketball player wears the same jersey number in honor of Charles Craig, his AAU coach and childhood mentor who died at the age of 35. So paying tribute to a coach and mentor of his.
1: Um, this player has his number retired by the University of Texas, even though he only played one season there.
0: So one season at Texas, you may have implied by this point that he was a one-and-done and and is in the NBA, so that is the fourth clue. He is the fourth highest-paid basketball player, and he was NBA MVP in 2014, and he is currently playing in the playoffs.
1: Currently on our television, actually. On our television, which is an additional clue. Yes. Um, All right, last clue. His nicknames include The Second Coming... The Slim Reaper, or uh, this should give it away, the Durantula.
0: The Durantula. So it's uh, Russell Westbrook, right? No. Oh. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. Uh, Kevin Durant. 2017 Boston Celtics starting um, small forward, fun, Kevin Durant.
1: Fun thing to notice about Kevin Durant, too, is apparently, I, I don't know where this information was gathered, but like his publicist, or, or maybe just his own personal decision, they've made the decision for him to be less of a nice guy, because he has a nice guy mm, mm. Attitude. He did. So he's he he's always a modest, nice guy. Yeah, he's getting in fights more. He's you you can <laughs> yeah. add, you can oh, you see can. it on the court. He's he's trying to, to change his image, and it's kind of funny when you think about it. Like he's actually just a nice guy because he's like he, sick yeah, of being he, nice. Yeah, but
0: he can't really do it. Yeah. Like he's he's trying, but he, he's just a nice guy, and yeah. he can't really break from it. He's like, I'm, um, you guys are really mad. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know if this factors in at all. And it's funny that that is kind of happening. But uh, obviously, for reasons I've mentioned before, I'm very. I'm always reading up on the possibilities for the offseason with Durant because it's one of the biggest NBA offseasons with a name like that being mm-hmm. out there. And uh, the Washington Wizards, his hometown team, just hired Scott Brooks as their coach, who is, who is Oklahoma City's former coach and somebody that Kevin Durant got along with very well. Mm-hmm. A lot of you know theories out there that the Wizards are doing that in a last-ditch attempt to get Kevin Durant to come to Washington. Uh, some of the Yahoo Sports, uh, the vertical riders like Adrian Wojnarowski and Zach yeah. Lowe and those guys, um, apparently, according to them, Kevin Durant will not go back to Washington. And, and the reason being that Kevin Durant has recently you know, changed in that he wants to keep his circle very small as far as his social circle and kind of his, his connections and his people. And that every time he goes back to Washington as a visiting team, it's a very stressful trip, apparently. And that everybody comes out of the woodwork that he grew up with and that yeah. knows him and kind of is trying to latch onto him almost. And so I don't know if that goes hand in hand at all with his trying to break from this like nice guy, like generous, like, you know, I'm with everyone type yeah. of thing. I don't know if those go hand in hand or not, but I thought it was interesting that I think a place this- that seemed like a great fit with a couple of stars in Washington and his hometown that maybe he's ruled it out already, and that I he think, doesn't want to do that.
1: I think this is also you searching for information oh, that that you want to it hear. Certainly, too. It
0: certainly it certainly is, but but this is not this was not coming from a Celtics yeah, agenda. Yeah, yeah. The, the the Wizards hired Scott Brooks, and so you know Yahoo was yep. writing articles about Wizards fans should not get excited because yep. apparently Durant has maybe already ruled out Washington.
1: Mm, I doubt he's ruled out I, his I, I hometown agree. I agree. with his
0: old coach. I agree, but yeah.
1: It's an interesting theory. Yeah.
0: So so there you have it. Uh, Kevin Durant, the answer to our third quarter trivia. And now we will go to the fourth, which is our Snapchat section. So uh, the question for this past week, uh, actually two weeks ago, was when we posed it. Um, But the question was, what was your first AIM screen name and what were you thinking?
1: Yes. And we want to thank you guys for responding this time. We got a lot of good good responses. Um, A few people did it in the bar. So we can't really hear it. A few people Just who are Doug covered the speaker <laughs> when they did it, so you can't hear him either. Yes. But um, really funny nicknames. Um, not a lot of time to describe them, so I think you all did a great job.
0: Yeah, yeah. Very limited time. So here, here's what we got for the AM screen names.
2: AM hey, screen name was STL Hoops 50 because I'm I'm from St. Louis, and my number was.
0: My first AOL screen name was CoconutKid101, and 10 seconds is certainly not enough time to explain what middle school me was thinking.
2: My first screen name was indie 17 or BaseballIndian17,
0: <laughs>
2: 4 on the 17th.
1: <laughs> my screen name was RickyRose16 because my first name is Erica, and my nickname for my dad was Ricky. My middle name is Rose, and my lucky number was 16.
2: My first AIM name was Rage 1707 because Rage Against the Machine was my favorite band and still kind of is. <laughs> my first
1: AIM screen name was KC Gymnast 357 because of my initials and
2: gymnastics, obviously.
3: Mine was All Star Chick 12 because I wanted to bo- the boys to think that I was a really good athlete and 12 was my basketball number. <laughs>
0: Pretty sure my first AIM was Lil Kretz because back then Lil names were cool. Alright, I'll be RB.
2: My first AIM screen name was Gorilla Knights with a Z because gorillas were my favorite animals and I was obsessed with astronomy. May- Rocky 2003, and the reason for that is that I really like Maurice Shark. My first screen fun. name was Pooh 10708
3: because my mom thought I loved Winnie the Pooh. Why couldn't she have made it? Bazooka 45 because I loved the bazooka gun that I got at the candy shop down the road, and then it was Dancing Queen 8008 because I loved
2: ABBA. My first screen name was Viola Man 16 because naturally violas plus men equals a lot of chicks.
3: AAM screen name was Tangy Bop,
0: and I was thinking that it would be my pseudonym for the rest of my life. So there are the AAM screen names. There are the AM screens. So pretty funny ones. Pretty good. Pretty good. So what are your what are your reactions to some of those? My
1: reactions are it's pretty obvious who some people's are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um I, I don't want to pick my favorite cuz that'll be choosing no, favorites, no, but no we favorites. will we should say what ours were. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and I think some of the ones that we heard were less embarrassing than maybe ours yeah
0: so you want to go first or you want to yeah, go, go
1: first <laughs> mine was irish punk 74 fm <laughs> and irish punk because i was irish and i was a punk <laughs> um and 74 cause is my football number and fm because uh flogging molly was a oh great band back in the day there that everyone is. loves wow everybody <laughs> loves them <laughs>
0: That's a great combination. Um, I was all about it. My first screen name was Ballistic Bruin 77. Um ballistic obviously because uh, I don't know why I picked Bruin, but ballistic is a great a great adjective. You so. know why you picked Bruin? <laughs> no, so of course, I don't know I have no clue why I picked ballistic. I was I was I was joking oh, gotcha. there. Uh, ballistic just totally underused word, decided to use it um, and then Bruin obviously because I loved the Bruins and uh, 77 cuz Ray Bork was 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 my dude growing up, so. Ballistic um,
1: is a word that like Guy Fieri would use yeah, to describe yeah. something,
0: and, and and I think I spelled it wrong, but I I don't remember because then I looked up the spelling again to confirm, and I think I spelled it right, but I thought I remembered spelling it wrong. Well, it's so got to be know. spelled wrong to be cool, right? Yeah. Exactly, and I know there were some uppercase and lowercase. You should too, put a Y, sure, ballistic. For, yeah, yeah, there we go. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so you know, some of those are pretty good. I think uh, uh, I think Doug's Doug had the terrible audio, but it, I think it was Hockey Rocket. Um, because Maurice Richard, who is a player that was not playing during our lifetime, really yeah. that, that we, when we could watch hockey, um, but Doug is is big on old time hockey. Also, I um, liked
1: Alexis, which
0: was um,
1: Pooh something, un- and her mom underrated. Needed. Under
0: yeah. yes, underrated factor in that is that mom I didn't like Winnie the Pooh. So I her screen name was Pooh. I didn't notice it the first time that I heard it. But why did her mom pick her screen name for her? Mm, I don't know. Interesting. My mom Very certainly didn't pick mine. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of good ones there. Um, and a
1: great question for this week. Um, and it's a little more difficult, so take your time. We want you to send... We want as many as we got this time. I think we got uh, like under 15, like ten, 10 between 10, 10, to 15. 10 to 15 or so. Um, so think of a good one. If someone was to write a book about you, what would the title be? And you can add Y if, if you want. Try to fit the Y in in your 10 yeah. seconds. So just think of like um some funny title that you would want to <laughs> see I, i'm gonna i'm planning on u- using fitting my name into uh some sort of book like um what st- is it you before me so you before steve or whatever yeah, there you go something yeah. like that yeah um but so the question again is if someone wrote a book about you what would the title be and why so like derek should be like yeah. high school heartbreak <laughs>
0: Uh and, 77, and how I became the way I am today. <laughs> <laughs> or like um Seventy seven. Make make podcasting great again, the story of Derek. The story of Derek. Yeah.
1: Pretty good. Okay. So
0: okay, cool. So send your Snapchats to Derek and Steve Snapchat. We again we've added most of you. Um please be conscious of your audio quality when you do this, Doug. Um don't <laughs> don't cover your microphone. It doesn't make for a good uh audio Snapchat when you cover the microphone. Uh, again, please don't send pictures in that we can't do anything with pictures. Uh, you know, some people still will, you know, do the Snapchat text thing back and say what what it was. You know, it's great, it's funny, but we can't really use it. So, uh, just send us a video. You can do it any time during the week. Uh, we won't, we're, we don't do them all and play them all back until we are ready to podcast. Yeah, so you so have all week them, to do it. Send them anytime. We'll record them and, Monday night, and we'll post the story probably a couple of times throughout the week just to remind you guys that you can do it. So, uh, so there you have it. Uh, fourth quarter is over. Uh, another Snapchat section in the book. So. That brings us to the final, final drive, drive, which we kind of hinted at already. So do you want to start it off or end it?
1: I will end it. You'll end
0: it. Okay. So for me, starting it off, like uh, Murph had alluded to, I've got something of a streak going now. Um, in the playoffs in particular, not in all sports, you know, I've, I've been to some losing efforts with, the, with a few of the teams here, Red Sox, Bruins, you know. Celtics, uh, no, no Patriots games actually I haven't been to a losing Patriots game, but the other three have been to losses, but in the playoffs something just seems to happen uh, since 2010, dating back to the game that I went to, the Bruins and the Buffalo Sabres, double overtime in the 2010 uh, playoffs, the year before they won the Stanley Cup um, that year uh, was the first time uh, that I that this playoff streak started, and since then, 11-1 and one in playoff games in Boston that I've been to, the only one being last year with the very under-talented Celtics against LeBron James, so I'm going to discount that game because it was LeBron James and he doesn't count. Um, so 11 and 0, excluding that game, six and 0 for the Bruins, two and 0 for the Pats, one and 0 for the Red Sox, and two and 0 outside of that game for the Celtics. So uh, my pitch now is to the Boston sports teams owners: just send me to all the games and. and and we'll just win the championship. So <laughs> that's it. I think that's all. Okay. I think I've proven it. I've proven I have case.
1: a very, very similar final drive <laughs> in the fact that it's the exact opposite. <laughs> um, I have been to 13 of my teams uh, in Boston. I've seen them play 13 times. It's a mix of the Tampa Rays, the Tampa Lightning, the Tampa Buccaneers, and the Orlando Magic. And I've seen a combination. I've seen at least... One maybe I think it maybe a bit might have been to two bucks games, um, but at least one of each, um, and obviously a lot more of, of baseball and basketball just because it's easier to get to. Um Owen thirteen never seen a win. I've in, in seven years. This is a seven-year streak. I've never seen my team win in Boston. Um, so. Don't send me to any games Don't send me to any games They win sometimes when I watch
0: Well, well I'll send you to the games I, yeah. I, I want to send you to the
1: games Yeah, so r- my plea is to the Red Sox and <laughs> Celtics owners too Send me to the games that you want to win against Florida teams Exactly, um, then you can get free games Also, in Taco Bell news The Bufrito is back Ooh. Which is the burrito with fritos in it Which they mm. call a Crunch, the beefy crunch wrap Or the beefy crunch burrito But it's not that But it should be the Bufrito um So, the, I agree. duh. Um, and so that's back, and and there's still no Taco Bell's in Boston. So all I can do is talk about it, and then <laughs> and
0: just keep saving up so you can open one. It.
1: Yeah, right. You you'd make a hundred million dollars a night if you opened it up in downtown Boston. I, I can't argue. I can't argue with it that. Would, it would not only be the best fast food restaurant in Boston; it would be the best Mexican <laughs> restaurant in Boston because there's
0: no good one. That's
1: yeah, it. That's, that's it. it. That's all Final there is to drive it. Over. So
0: that is all we have for episode 19 uh, in the books. So thanks again to everybody for sending in your Snapchats. Thanks to James Murphy for joining us uh, as not as much of a guest, but more of a host, which I think is something we can do more of. I think I I like that. Yeah. More more of of a friend. friend. And, and and shout out to everybody else. I think that I like that format. I, I think it's nice to have more of a free flowing combo and, have someone join us for half the show. You know, have a third voice on there. So, yeah, join um, join so us. Let us know if you want to join us. And, and it doesn't have to be about anything specific. It can be sports. It can be movies, whatever. So, uh, so thanks for listening to episode 19. And we'll see you next week for episode 20.
1: Later days.